we cannot judge a philosophy by how it is being abused, you know? Yes, they're called of God. Yes, they are anointed to preach the gospel, but they're still men and they have to be held accountable. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Unpack. I am Moses, and as always, I'm joined by Ken and Kevin. This is Unpack. Today's story is a bit tough on me, guys, uh, because we want to talk about dealing with disappointment coming from people we hold dear, such as pastors and other lay leaders in the church. That is, people who have been instrumental in our Christian faith. To provide some context, a bishop in uh, Florida called Henry Lee Porter was found guilty of two counts of sexual battery on a child under 12 years old. 12 years old, guys. This happened over the course of many years. It took one victim to master enough courage to come forward years after the abuse, which led to the bishop's arrest. Obviously, at first it was hard for people, I mean, believers and and other guys who attended his church to believe the story. However, more than 10 victims came forward with similar allegations. This prompted the DA to investigate, which led to his recent conviction. The sad thing is that even after the conviction, he has remained defiant and shown no remorse. To provide another context as to why this story is personal to me, This same bishop came to my church in the 90s with his entire band. This was one of the best music concerts that I ever attended. And the newfound friendship led him to come back to minister about three more times, I I think, if I can remember correctly. So when I heard of the allegations, it dawned on me that the abuse was happening during this period up until the 2000s. So from the 90s to the 2000s, he had been molesting kids here in the U.S. In reading the news or article online, they found that he had an inner room or a storage uh, or a closet located in his office, which no one else had access. Where And this is where the kids were abused. It may have made it difficult for the victims to accuse him, because he was a well-respected member of the community. As I continued to follow the story online through a link my brother sent me, I was in complete shock and confused. I mean, I felt hurt, guys. I felt as though I had been deceived. (laughs) Thereafter, I started having so many questions as to whether these ministries are real. As I remembered his ministry, I mean, the music, was that real, guys? I remember how he made us praise God, jump up and down, feeling so energized, and then to find out this guy was a molester, man. I mean, it made me question a lot of things. Looking at scriptures, there are many verses that talk about false teachers or prophets uh, and what have you. I came across 2 Corinthians 11 uh, verses 13 to 15. And it states, and I'm reading from the ESV version, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. End quote. That is so right in his life today. This has been a huge fall from grace. This guy had so much impact in Sarasota, Florida, they named a street in his honor. So one of the issues I'd like to hear your views is whether these ministries are real. Does God use these leaders when they are living in sin? And the feelings we were getting in his ministry, was it just euphoria or was it the Holy Spirit? I mean, what was it? What do you think, Kevin? Well, <clears throat> I think that um, the, the Bible says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And I think sometimes we get the gift uh, 
or we mistake the gift for one's own personal sanctity. Um, a person comes, they preach well, they teach well, and we somehow parallel that with their level of spirituality and um, their level of integrity. Well, many times they're not one in the same. And if a gift and callings are without repentance, then that means whatever gift that that person has, they don't have to repent to be able to operate in it. You following me? So when you say, was the ministry willed? Yes, the ministry was real. But the person themselves that, and when we got when we talk about ministry, we have to identify what, we're, what are we talking about? When we say ministry, are we talking about the individual or are we talking about the word of God? Because what the person was doing was preaching the word of God. And we have an example in scripture where the disciples asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, these people are, you know, they're not following us, right? And they're speaking in your name. And Jesus told them to leave them alone, okay? Because he that speaks for me would be very difficult to speak against me. So there are a lot of things when it comes to men of God that perhaps we measure them improperly or women of God. It should be character first. And if the character is not there, and, I, and what I mean, when I, when I say that, I don't believe that that minister did all that for all of those years and nobody knew about it. God, it, it, that would be an indictment, in my opinion, against the body of Christ because somebody is praying. Somebody is seeking God. Somebody's fasting in that ministry and God is revealing stuff to people. We, and I think that's the, that's the thing that um, many times that the, the leader is sidetracked of thinking that only God speaks to them. Well, God speaks to people that are in the body. And I'm sure there were people who knew exactly what he was doing, but they were silent and maybe they weren't. And then the question becomes, who was, who, who did he, you know, who was he, uh, uh, how do I want to say this? Accountable. Um, there you go. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. Who was he accountable for? Who was accountable or who was he, you know, being accountable to? Um, and when you don't have these things in place, you know, and leaders, you know, they're well-known and renowned. They, they get besides themselves sometimes and they begin to operate in ways that are very unhealthy. Um, it's tragic that that happens, but this is nothing new. This kind of behavior has been going on from the inception of the church. It's just, we find it more rampant in our lifetime in this season of our life than at any other time that I've been um, a believer that, you know, great men are just, I mean, find themselves in, in all kinds of debauchery. Now you, you remember Eddie, uh, Bishop Eddie Long. Yes. Okay. Remember him, right? Mm -hmm. Same, same. Do we do, would we say that nobody in his ministry knew that? I would say there were probably many people who knew that Bishop Eddie Long was engaging with young men, but they overlooked it because of who he was mm -hmm. and who and the power and the and what he had built. They overlooked it. So every believer has a responsibility to truth. It doesn't matter whether they're the preacher or the deacon or the usher. Every one of us have an obligation when we see wrong to address it. And I, I, I would I would assure you that they, that even if they did address it, it's like, <clears throat> who do you address it to? After you speak, mention, after you speak to the pastor, then who do you go to next? You following me to hold him accountable for that kind of uh, action. So I would say the ministry is, is the is real in sense in the sense that the word of God is being preached. Now his personal life is another thing. That's why we as leaders have to keep our body under subjection. That's why we have to pray 
and and study the word and and not only do that but we got to live right there's an there, there's a dem, uh, obligation that when we do these things that we live the life that we're reading about and so many leaders have failed to do that at some point so um you know i was sharing, having this conversation with my wife this morning it's funny how we're talking about this see we either going to pay now or we're going to pay later but we're going to pay you know what I mean? God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. shall he also reap. Indeed. So one thing is true. He may get away with it. She may get away with it for 10, 20 years. But there'll be a, there's coming a day of reckoning in this life. We always think about the life, you know, when we get to heaven and God, you know, white, great, um, uh, white throne judgment or the judgment seat of Christ and and, and that's when, you know, people are going to be judged. But there is judgment that's going to take place in this life. You following me? So one thing is assured, whatever seeds we plant, we will reap the consequences of that seed. And so, you know, it's, again, we've seen it in the Catholic Church time and again. Young pre- priests, you know, having sex with young boys. And they just send him from one parish to the next with no real discipline. And that's the issue. There's no real discipline in the body of Christ to correct these men when they uh, become yeah. well-known and men of renown. Yeah. But you, 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 you said, you said something about accountability. Yes. Now the question is, should we rethink the way a lot of our churches, especially evangelical churches are organized or how they are run, right? Because we see um, founders almost having full control of everything and they can't be questioned. So, So just the way a lot of these churches are set up, they're not set up to be accountable. Okay. Now, on the flip side, with the example you gave uh, for the Catholic Church, they have all the systems for accountability. They just chose to ignore. And what they ended up doing was moving a priest from one parish to another. And the whole thing came, you know, crashing down. to the whole world, basically, and became a complete embarrassment to the Catholic Church. So, I'm 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 just wondering. It seems as though human beings will always find a way, whether whether we are we have uh, systems that make us accountable or not. You know, and so. Where do we go from here? I mean, I, I guess I could have to, I, I could have to look at it separately. So the Catholic Church thing, we put it aside for. So should we, should we change how a lot of evangelical churches? And the reason I'm saying evangelical is because most of them are founded by an individual, right? Yes. Who becomes the the bishop, the archbishop, yes. what have you? Right. What should be what should be done? Someone like T.D. Jakes, <clears throat> can his church fire him if he did anything? Y- no. y- you know, um, someone like uh, this other guy from Houston, could his church fire him if he did anything? I would want to believe they could, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I'm I'm not a member of those churches. We seem to hold uh, these men of God in such high esteem; it's as though they can do no wrong. Now, that's a problem with the body of Christ. That has nothing to do with the guy. Because at the end of the day, we have to realize we will be on that line, the judgment line. The bishops are not going to be in front. We'll be on the same line. So, I mean, how do we we look at that, Kev? I think think you're saying it. There there has to be accountability. Um, And it's the way we've been conditioned to view our leaders. To, to put them on such a high pedestal um, that we they cannot be um, 
you know, challenged in any way, even when it comes to teaching and preaching the word of God. How many times we hear preachers say things that are not biblical, but we never say anything about it. You follow yeah. me? We just say, oh, okay, let it go. There has to be accountability on every level. You know, it's much like when I was in the military, we had accountability on every level. So that way you knew that if somebody got out of line or out of order, there was someone you could go to that was greater than that person uh, in terms of rank that. And then we had someone outside of the, the military um, that can bring things back into alignment. Well, and uh, again, every person in the body of Christ is responsible for the truth that we all read in the word of God, not just the preacher. If, if, if we would just, look, you know, not esteem men higher than they ought to be esteemed and understand that these are men. Yes, they're called of God. Yes, they are anointed to preach the gospel, but they're still men and they have to be held accountable. There's something about human humanity. And that's why we have the law. The law is there to keep us in check, to keep us from in uh, getting out of order. And if we do, it's a, it has a way of bringing us back on the straight and narrow. So man left to himself is a, is, is, is a, can become a tyrant. You know, uh, the enemy, I believe that's one of the greatest deceptions that the enemy does to uh, powerful men of God. What we call powerful men of God um, is they get so big and so well known that they feel like they don't have to pray anymore. They don't have to fast anymore. They just got it like that. And the enemy comes in and deceives them and makes them feel like they're, you know, they're untouchable. So it's, it's, it's accountability. And everybody has that responsibility. It, don't, it doesn't matter who they are. If, if God, for example, this has actually happened. This has actually happened. I was a part of a ministry one time. Oh, actually, I was visiting a ministry one time. And a girl, lady out of the audience, she was she was nobody. She uh, in terms of what we would call somebody. I didn't even know her name. I, she didn't have a title or position, but she walked up to me and she began to declare what God had placed on her heart about a relationship that me and another pastor was having or was going to have in the future. And what she said to me, she says, I saw this vision where you guys split up and you went one way and he went another way. Right. And in my mind, I was like, that's unheard of. I'm, there's no way that's going to happen. Right. But it did happen. It did happen. So there are people that are in that congregation that the Lord is speaking to about the leaders sometime. And they don't say anything because in our culture, you don't challenge the leader. You following me? Mm -hmm. You're not spiritual enough to challenge the leader. You don't know enough word to challenge the leader. Yes, you do. You don't need it. You don't need to be know enough word. If God is speaking to you about someone, it's incumbent upon me to go and speak to them. You following me? So I think the only way we can we can get to the, uh, the bottom of things like this, there has to be accountability and there cannot be fear or people made to feel inferior to their leadership. Kendall, I mean, what, what's your take on the same question? You know, I think I have learned and I have I totally agree with a lot of what um, our brother Kevin has said. Uh, but I just want to piggyback on what you said about the disappointment and the anger and the frustrations that you feel um, when something like that happens, especially to somebody who you knew uh, or you know and you had held them in high esteem. And I think that is that is like the normal reaction, you know? Uh, and it should be expected. Yes. Um, because uh, like the Bible says, to whom much is given, much, that much is expected. Uh, so it is very much in order, sometimes even to get disoriented. Um, uh, if something was done by somebody whom you hold in authority and also in esteem, and they do something that is contrary to what you have always thought of them or believed of them, you know? So the question now to you, to me, and to Kevin, and to anyone else is, 
I think it's always good for us to be prepared. We are not trying to say that um, uh, we cut slack or we think, um, uh, you know, we kind of give allowances to anyone doing these things. But I think, I think with time, you know, with time and to make sure that uh, we somehow cushion ourselves because like, if you get disappointed, if you get angry and frustrated, the question becomes, then what? You know, are you going to lose faith or are you going to are you going to think that your faith doesn't have credence because of what I have been discovered or what you have been discovered or what Kevin has been discovered uh, doing? You know, the the the, the old adage, you know, somebody who has been preaching wine, I mean, preaching water the whole time and drinking wine. So you have been speaking about uh, faithfulness and righteousness and uh, you have been living everything except you know faithfulness and righteousness and i think kevin said something that was very profound that what we are experiencing today with the men and women uh, in the ministry it's not something that is very new or they are it's not like they are doing something that has never been done before of course, there is the issue of it being very rampant, you know, being very, very, um, you know, very, very, the current rates being very high as opposed to the days in the past, you know. Um, but that does not negate the fact that people have been falling short or we have been falling short for an extended period of time. I remember like what you said, you getting yourself very shocked and disturbed. I think, I think it was around maybe is it 2012 uh, when a very well-known preacher somewhere in Colorado uh, with a very big ministry mm-hmm. uh, was found to have uh, solicited you know the first time he the first time he was called out he denied about the whole thing uh, and then at some point he accepted uh, his fault and he agreed to go on a rehabilitation and I think later on he revolted and quote unquote took himself back into the ministry, but in another direction. Uh, not too long ago, a very well-known uh, national leader in the Christian ministry somewhere in Michigan um, was found to have consistently lived a life of a lie for a very long time, very unfaithful to his wife. Uh, he had very count, and he was abusing um, people of sound mind in the church, and they had covered. This had been covered for an extended period of time, and the church even had to hire an outside investigator, and the allegations were found to be credible. Uh, recently, you also saw in the news, you know, the Southern Baptist Convention, um, the leadership of that convention, um, how it has systematically abused, you know, uh, women, and how they have been pushed down any time they come up trying to hold these leaders mm. accountable. And uh, the top line or the bottom line of what was, in, was being used in all these quote-unquote ministries, including even in the Roman Catholic Church, was that exposing these things to the world, you know, was going to dilute or was going to uh, bring to shame uh, the preaching of the gospel. Uh, so I think... On the contrary, if uh, it is the chat that is going to expose these things, other than it being discovered when it is a little bit too late, uh, when you expose whoever uh, is not living the life, I think it will serve even to invite, not only to invite others, but also to make sure that those other people who may be trying to fall out of line uh, they get to know because this is what Paul used to. Uh, this was the type of advice that Paul used to uh, advise or admonish, you know, fellow Christians. He would tell them, uh, if any brother is found to be in error, you know, you who are of sound doctrine, you you need to go and approach that brother or that sister, uh, sit down and have counsel with them. You know, maybe one or two, three times. You know, the thing was to be repeated. If for whatever reason the brother decides to be headstrong, uh, he decides that he's not, you know, go and announce of his conduct publicly, like denounce him publicly and have nothing to do with him and 
let's sit and deal with that person uh, so that even if he's going to be punished in this world, maybe his soul uh, can be saved or can be restored. Uh, so there is a there is a proper way of dealing this thing, uh, the Christian way, you know, because we are always going to fall short. Because I am I'm thinking, if you had um, myself, I have fallen short, or if Kevin had that I had fallen short, uh, the first instinct, you know, you're also you're going to feel hurt and betrayed, and um, you know you're going to be frustrated about that, but you're not going to stop at that. You know, you're going to find a way of trying to reach to me if you the, if you care that much, at least to bring me to the fold, to have a conversation with me so that my soul is not going to be damned. You know, if I was to resist those overtures, if you have done what you're supposed to do, know that you're not going to get angry, know that you're not going to get frustrated, uh, know that you're go- not going to feel betrayed, you know, uh, but at least... You have done the Christian thing. You have done what you need to do as a Christian. Going back to what now you to you know, like I think I digressed a lot. I went out of tangent. Uh, going back to answer your question about how you feel about this minister and uh, who you feel has betrayed, frustrated, and maybe for the longest time he was living a lie. Uh, Brother Kevin said something that was very profound here. He said. The gifts of God are without repentance, you know. That means if God has given you the gift uh, in oratory, you know, he has given you a gift in being a genius in science, you know, how you use that gift, it can either be for good or it can either be for bad, you know. If it is the preaching of the gospel, you can use that talent that God has given you either for good or for bad. And Paul, without making excuses uh, for all these type of uh, uh, how people are going to use their talent or how they are going to behave once God has bestowed on them this talent, he used to say, there are some people who preach. I mean, people preach for different reasons. There are some who preach because they want to gain something out of that. There are some who preach because they want to gain fame out of that. There are some who, pre- who preach out of a good heart, but uh, the, the whatever he was, the overriding whatever he was putting down was, but in all these cases, Christ is being preached. So whatever has befallen this man, um, and uh, the lack of quote unquote credibility of his ministry, you know, being a contention here, the fact that the whole time that he was in the ministry. In as much as he was living in sin, there are so many souls that have been saved. There are so many people who have been blessed, including yourself. You know, the issue now becomes, even with the frustrations and the anger, the issue now becomes, he was bringing all these people into the fold, like St. Paul used to say. He was bringing all these people to salvation, but he was trying to work his salvation with fear and trembling because he also felt he can win all these people to Christ and yet have his soul damned uh, into eternal what? Eternal damnation. So what has befallen this man? It might look, you know, like something that is very shameful and disgraceful in our sight. But God in his own masses, he's making these men pay the price here. Huh? Because it, God still have he still have mercy, you know. He still have a soft heart for this man, for all these things that he has done for him. He can see his soul, you know. He can see his wretched soul, and he wants to redeem him, you know, before his time on earth is over. So even as we grieve, even as we get frustrated and we feel betrayed about these people who are caught up in all these things. We can still rejoice, not because that they have been doing all these things, but there are very many souls that are going to be restored. You know, like that young man, uh, all those people who outed him, or all these people who we say they have outed these people, they feel like they, you know, they have been uh, vindicated, or somebody has been held to account. You know, justice has been 
netted for them. And that is also going to um, bring them back to the fold of Christ because, you know, they feel God has vindicated or God has come to their rescue. Uh, uh, I know it might sound callous for me to say this, but looking at it, it's like a win-win for those who have been abused, you know, because there is a revenge, for lack of a better word, that has been netted on these who has been abusing them. And the fellow who has been abusing these people, God has so granted him mercy because now he has a chance for him to reform and recant and get transformed um, and move on with his life to eternal life. Uh, that's my take. And I don't know, I think I, I might have uh, added on too much to irrelevances, but I had to kind of bring it, try to tie it in. The, the thing, uh, Kevin, you said was um, accountability, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and not just from perspective of the preacher, but all of us as a body of Christ, if it's right. in a church. But how do we detect these signs? Or should we have, you know, um, should I say a retake, a, a re-switch of how we we see our preachers, basically? Because when we when we place them in a very high pedestal, as you as you mentioned, it seems we are blinded to these signs that we should have seen. Because you said you said there has to have been someone who saw these indiscretions or knew about these indiscretions regardless of how uh, how much he tried to hide you know he had his own room and it used to be locked he was the only guy who used to go in there that in itself should have, should be a sign in its you know that should be a sign mm-hmm. but is it that people were so blinded by how high they you know, they regarded this individual that they are not able to see basic signs that there's something fundamentally wrong going on here. Well, if if I may just, uh, Ken, I want to say that was an excellent um, exhortation that you just gave on the, on the topic. Um, again, the gift is not the man. Mm-hmm. Okay? The gift is something God given and whether he reads or studies or fasts or prays, it's a gift. Mm -hmm. And so what you have in the body of Christ are a lot of people who follow the gift. They're not so much concerned about the man, much like what we're seeing in in our country right now. You have a lot of people who are following, uh, if I could say this, Trumpian, uh, they're in, in Amber. Mm-hmm. With the what they think is the gift of Donald Trump, and that's making America great and doing and saying a lot of the things he has done for, with the border and you know um, China and so forth and so on, and they fail to separate the character of the man. Mm-hmm. That same thing happens in the body of Christ. You following me? Mm-hmm. That the we there there they, there's. The reason they're, they don't correct or rebuke or say anything is because they're getting something out of the gift. Yes. Mm-hmm. The gift is appealing to their to, to a need that they have. It's appealing to something that, you know, that makes them feel better, makes them feel good. And that supersedes the character of the man many times or the woman. So... You know, it's it's incumbent upon every believer. Now, see, this is this is Ken. You said something earlier when the gentleman was uh, found in the Southern Baptist uh, Convention or something. Yes, you said, uh-huh. you said his wife knew. Or, or, no, you didn't say she knew, but you said he had a he had a wife, obviously. Yeah. Yes, yes. And do you would you suspect she didn't know? Seems like she knew. She had to know that. Yeah, that's her husband, yeah. right? Yeah, it's very hard for you to find uh, to hide anything from your wife. They they'll right. catch it. Uh-huh. Absolutely, and like and Moses, when you said he had a room, this gentleman pastor had a room. 
and nobody could get in. That's a red flag. Very much so. Oh, that, 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 that's a red flag, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So my question is, did anybody ever question him about that room? Mm-hmm. Maybe know? people questioned him and they laughed it off. I don't know. Yeah. I don't you know, know. Either way, sometimes you can say, "What is in that room?" And then the guy just jokes about it, and then we f- and yeah. he deflects in a very yeah. nice way. And yes. but of course, you always go back if if I say if it's an elder. So that's a, every week he's there two, three times and has never got into that room, has never seen what is inside, has never seen him open up to go get his robe, cloak, Bible, whatever it is, you know? And you've been an elder there for 20 years. Yeah. Surely you have to have some questions. I mean, must, what is in that room, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Ooh. Some people. Some folks are just so enamored with walking beside the man, the woman of God, because they look at them as a person of power and authority that yeah. they don't want to question anything because they the, the benefit it serves for them. You following me? So mm-hmm. every, all of it's self-serving. It's yes. all self-serving. Because so what, what I have seen too, uh, Brother Kevin, and you're saying something very good about separating uh, you know, the man and uh, the gift. Yes, many of the many of these churches these days, Moses, and I know I don't know whether you have found that probably with the ministry that your dad leads. Uh, many of them are now coming up with uh, uh, very strict standard operating procedures, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and sensitizing, you know, the the members and the fellowship about some of these, you know. Uh, the, the case of like, if you see something, you have to say something. So um, the details are becoming like, you know, like they are making details uh, very clear, you know, so that there is no ambiguity, you know. Uh, even in, cha- in, in the way the finances are being handled, you know, many of these sound ministries now, they don't want the pastor to have any interaction with the monies, you know. Um, of whatever nature, the last thing they want them to to because I think uh, the, where they found them lapsing mostly is with the finances. You know they are fiddling with the finances too very much. Yeah. So these days they don't want them to have any interactions with finances whatsoever. You know. So if the pastor interacts with finances, that becomes a red flag because uh, they they are very strict. You know, start uh, standard of operating procedures on that. Number two, uh, even in counseling now, you know, many of the many of these churches are making sure that if you're going to into any type of marital counseling, uh, if you're a pastor, your wife, you know, has to be there. You know, uh, even taking calls. You know, there are certain calls. You know, they are not allowing. Um, you know, uh, the pastors to take, not because the, the pastors have been found to do anything, but as safeguards, you know, uh, because they don't want that elevation that has been there before, like where you think, um, of course, this man is above reproach, nothing can happen, there is integrity, but they have seen, many people have experienced how the, the devil is subtly, you know, getting into the lives of people that you never thought you know, yes. um, uh, it, it can get to them, you know. So getting back to what you're talking about, accountability is trying to make sure, you know, you trust me. That's very, that's very okay. But you have, you, you have to institute a method of uh, verification, you know, that uh, to make sure I know you as authentic, but in order for this relationship to, to continue being authentic, these are some of the things uh, we have to observe and in case there is a breach of any of what we have and whatever here, you know, then we are going to move on from there to hold you accountable. You know, so yeah. going back to what you're saying, accountability has to be there. If a ministry has no accountability, you know, then don't risk yourself associating, you know, with that type of ministry. Uh, these three days, I'm very careful myself also. Uh, like when I go to, if I have to affiliate myself to a church, that is one of the things I'm 
looking at seriously, you know? Like I check and see the responsibilities of the, yeah. say like the deacon board, you know? Yes. Uh, yes. The pastoral team, the whoever does what, uh, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if it is like you're taking your child to Sunday school, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, how do they vet uh, whoever comes in to teach your children? Mm-hmm. What type of a space, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 these whatever's uh, taking place. Uh, so not to say that uh, you are becoming paranoid or you 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 know you are kind of scared or suspicious of everybody, but you just want to make sure, you know, that mm-hmm. everything, you know, everything mm-hmm. is set right, so that you don't leave any room for the enemy, you know, to come and infiltrate and wow. use whatever loophole that you have left out there for right. them to get in. Because yeah. if you look at this brother, you know, the minister you're talking about and many others that you have, you know, we are talking about, you know, you always find there was always that small loophole that nobody uh, thought it uh, okay to seal, you know? It doesn't start, you know, it, 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 it's not like a big manhole. It's not like an op- a very huge open gap. Uh, it is just a very minute, you know, something very small. And then the devil comes in and creeps in there and he comes and he makes a territory out of the spot. Mm-hmm. So get frustrated, get annoyed, feel frustrated and, and angry and betrayed. But moving forward, you know, what are you going to make sure, what are you going to do to make sure that you don't suffer that type of abuse again? You know, uh, that's yeah. what I would say. Mm-hmm. No, I th- I think you're right. I, I mm-hmm. think I think there has to be a shift. Mm-hmm. I think there has to be a shift in the body of Christ in in the way we look at our pastors. Mm-hmm. I mean, coming from Kenya, you see a lot of power that that is placed on words that have come from the bishop, one the, individual. Yes, the, mm-hmm. the, you see what I'm saying, mm-hmm. meaning that. If someone were to say something negative about the bishop, the fa- I mean, you will first be more, you'll be vilified for even thinking mm-hmm. that way, as opposed to people s- stepping back and, and, and wondering whether could he have done it, you understand? And, mm-hmm. I, and, and, and that, I think, has been ingrained for such a long time because the, 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 the way... If you see, if you go into churches, for example, and you see how they talk about the uh, the man of God or the woman of God or wh- whoever, it has completely gone off the rails. I mean, being in the presence of this one guy, it's almost like you're in the presence of Jesus uh-huh. himself. Yeah, yes, yes. You know? And mm-hmm. these things, I think, they start with trying to just give respect to the man of God and what have you. But then it goes to a point where you're almost holding him as high as Jesus himself. Reverence, so yes. It's almost like a little God. And once you reach that point, the guy can do no wrong. You know, and I, and I think we need to rethink how we treat our pastors or our leaders, especially in the church, because Jesus was a servant. I mean, the way he carried himself, he was full of humility. He lived with the people, stuck with the people, worked with the people, and dealt with the people in, I mean, as as simple as he could. Right, but this was this was the Son of God. This was Jesus Christ Himself who came to take our sins. So if if He behaved this way, then how is it that we allow our earthly pastors, right, a human being, no, he's not an angel or anything like that? Why is it that we allow them or we place them in such high regard that we can't? question them is it is it how we preach where does that come from i think brother kevin will correct me here uh but you know um from the teachings you know uh, erroneous teachings of the church which are being corrected now and uh, by people like you who are in the ministry in moses if 
if a bishop speaks from his seat, you know, mm-hmm. uh, there used to be, uh, and I think it was borrowed from Roman Catholicism, like yeah. the bishop is speaking with something called ex cathedra, you know, like he, when he's speaking from his seat of power, what he's saying is without mm-hmm. error, you know. So if he's speaking to a congregation and he says what he's invoking or what he's saying is ex-cathedra, you know, he's speaking from the cathedral, you know, uh, then the laity, the people who are the followers, you know, the regular people like me and you, you know, who are supposed to shut our mouth, you know, you cannot, and that's why it comes, you know, you cannot speak uh, whatever about the anointed, you know, uh, you mm-hmm. cannot point a finger to whoever God has anointed. Um, so the spiritual intimidation and the fear, you know, like, uh, he can invoke, uh, they can, uh, uh, the Greek word, I think they call it anathematize, you know, they can, um, they can accuse you, you know? Uh, so that ingrained fear into believers. And, you know, like, uh, if you're not interacting very well with the scriptures to know that where the spirit of God, there is liberty. And there is no fear, you know, and uh, he cast out all fear. Then you you kind of feel constrained. You don't want to say anything because I can be a cast. I can be an, uh, an anathematized, you know. Um, and granted, there are some people who are just uh, they are just uh, uh, grantors. They are ungrateful, and they will speak even ill of the minister. They will always find fault uh, of. Uh, of the minister or whoever is, uh, you know, proclaiming the gospel. Now it becomes a mix, you know, it becomes a very dicey, delicate situation because uh, there are people who are like very genuine, you know, like when they see an error, they want to point it out. Uh, but then there are others who are like fault finders, you know? So it beca- it doesn't become, it doesn't become easy and it become it can be very, it can become very murky, you know? So it is always a very good thing, like when we are saying about having a standard operating procedure, so that if you're going to come and level, for lack of a better word, an accusation uh, of a minister uh, uh, of the word of God, if that level of accountability is there, then you can come and say, uh, I'm here because of number 94. This is what we say about number 94. Uh, Now, can you prove uh, the violation of that number 94 or that number two, you know, other than it is just being my word. I'm just observing. I, I just don't, you know, something to that effect. Yeah? So it is, it's a very good thing to hold uh, the ministers of the word accountable, but you have to have a basis, you know? So if you're going to get into a ministry, if you're going to get into a church, Look at if there is that accountability, whatever that you can be able to fall back into instead of like, I'm going to sit in the church and if I just hear something that I don't agree with, necessarily agree with, uh, then I'm going to raise a hand, I'm going to raise a stake and I'm going to kind of put it out there, whatever, you know? There has to be a basis. That's why it's always a very good thing even for you to be able to see uh, the doctrine of the church, what people believe in, so that if a pastor preaches something, else than what you had seen when you uh, enrolled or you became a member of that church, then you have a basis to go back and say, you know, this is what was preached today, uh, but this is what the church, you know, the doctrine of the church, this is what it is, you know, but if you don't have that basis, then the recourse becomes very hard because of all these other contagions or contaminating factors that you're talking about, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, that's how I feel. Uh, uh-huh. Indeed. I guess I'll ask Kevin here because I think he'll give mm-hmm. us the um, uh, the spiritual <laughs> conclusion. I know, I know. <laughs> but how do we deal with these victims, right? Because at this point, they might even be questioning whether Christianity is real, right? Be- because of the actions of this one man. And he's in order. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then, then it goes to the second point. How do we deal as Christians, as part of the commission, the great commission, 
given that these stories are now coming out and they're calling out the hypocrisy of the church, which is adding mm-hmm. to the disenfranchisement of people with the church. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that, Kev? And I know that's a loaded one. That's a loaded question. <laughs> <Very much. laughs> that's a loaded question. But I, 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 the first thing came to mind, Moses, when you said that, is we have to deal with them according to mm-hmm. truth. Yeah. Okay. We have to tell the truth. We can't cover it up and try to whitewash mm-hmm. it. And you know, we just have to come out and say, listen, you know, what this leader did to you was terrible. It was bad. It was not a, a very ungodly thing for them to do. And the way we deal with this situation, we deal with that that victim, obviously, with truth, with love and understanding. OK, we don't try to minimize anything they say um, or make them feel somehow that they're inferior They're They don't you know, they did something wrong. Um and, it, and it's a case by case because, you know, you, we have to know what the facts surrounding that situation mm-hmm. was. But once we do know that, then we deal with it in truth. See, what will bring healing is truth. The reason, if, and I keep going back to, and I use the natural and the spiritual. Let's go back to our nation. What will heal our nation since we call ourselves a nation of the rule of law, Okay and we're a republic and a democracy governed by the rule of law. As long as we do what is right by the rule of law, it will bring healing to Mm -hmm. our nation. If we overlook that and don't administer righteousness in that area, it's going to keep things at an upheaval and the nation will never heal. And that's true in the spirit. So when we deal with people who are hurting, people who have gone through things, um, especially on the subject matter that we're talking about, we have to deal with truth and we have to minister to that young man, that young lady, love them uh, with the love of God and let them know that vehemently what happened to you was not God. It was not what the church stands for. It is not what the Bible teaches. You following me? We need to make that crystal clear in their mind so they don't misconstrue and start, you know, um, putting the two as uh, as one, you know. Um, but if the church would do its job, that would be healing enough. If that young man, that young woman saw that the church when they dealt with this leader, dealt with them according to the word of God, they would know that the church stands for something. They would know that even though, you know, the preacher did this, that the church itself still is a pillar of Mm -hmm, righteousness mm -hmm. and truth. You following me? So we have to make sure that justice is administered in the situation according to the word. And you, you mentioned something earlier, Ken, we have, we have examples in the Bible when things like this happen, what we should do, but we don't do them. You know, in the book of Corinthians where the son was having sexual relationship with his stepmother, you remember that story and they were around there proud and boasting and, 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 and Paul spoke to him. He said, you, instead of you guys boasting about this, you, you should be ashamed mm-hmm. of this kind of behavior, mm-hmm. right? And he gave instructions in the situation. He said, you should have no fellowship with, with that kind of mm-hmm. person. You, you have to excommunicate yourself from them. Don't you even find yourself eating mm-hmm. with them. But we, we, don't, we don't do that. When somebody is committing sexual sin in a ministry, you know what we do? We cover very it up. Quickly, very quickly. We cover it up. I, I've been a part of a large ministry where the right-hand man to the bishop was having sex with multiple women in the mm-hmm. ministry. They called me up and told me about it. And 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 I'm looking at him, the, the leader, right? Because he's well-esteemed, highly esteemed in the community. And I'm thinking, why haven't you said something to the source, your yeah. armor mm-hmm. 
Why haven't you said anything? And why is he still standing next to you with all of this going on in the ministry? And it was true. It wasn't mm-hmm. hearsay. It mm-hmm. was true. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you when you don't see justice, according to the Constitution, the meaning the word of mm-hmm. God being administered, it creates a breach of trust in integrity of a ministry. So it's incumbent that, again, that we who are in leadership and whether you're in leadership or not, see, let me say this, Moses. The reason why we have the problem we have is because I agree with you. We got to change the structure of the way we do things Mm -hmm. in ministry. We're still under the Levitical priesthood from the top down. That's how we operate Mm -hmm. in ministry Mm -hmm. today. You got the top guy and everybody's mm-hmm, under mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm. Right? And he's the lead authority. And whatever he says, right. it goes. Mm-hmm. Ken, your synopsis of the Catholic Church and, and sitting in the seat of power was right mm-hmm. on point. Okay. So we're operating under the Levitical priesthood, which is no longer the order of the way God wants things mm-hmm. to be done. Now, you know, Jesus came under the order of Melchizedek. Uh-huh, not order of the Levitical or the Aaronic mm-hmm, priesthood, mm-hmm. right? So it's not the top down anymore. You following mm-hmm, me? Because now all of priest, us mm-hmm. come to yes, God freely. Absolutely. There's no high priest. There's nobody has to go and 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 go into the holies of holies for our sins. That's anymore. why the cotton. We can. That's why the cotton was torn. That's right. Exactly. We can do that. You following me? So under the order of Melchizedek, it's not top down anymore. But that's the way we operate in ministries in this culture. Yeah. And, 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 and my last point is, um, I have to believe that if people are filled with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, whichever one we want to call it, <laughs> have, there's somebody in there with some discernment. Yeah. Uh, if, yeah. If there's nobody in a body of Christ that is not discerning sins, I want to get as far away from that ministry. Very as much possible. so, as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. As quickly mm-hmm. as possible. Somebody, God is speaking to mm-hmm. somebody. He's and can see the mess, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, there's some. There's a seer in there mm-hmm. somewhere, that's seeing, and God is dealing with them, but. Whether they say something or not, I don't know. But what I know is we have to get better at discerning things in the spirit yeah. and not according to the flesh. Yeah. yeah. And don't second guess ourselves when God reveals mm-hmm. something to us in the spirit and say, oh, that's just me. <laughs> you yeah. following me? So, it, 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 again, it's every one of our responsibility when we sense or feel, and even if it ain't true, and we we should still have the freedom to bring it to someone's yeah. attention without being vilified. Very much so. And rescued in feeling like, you know, they're going to be excommunicated because they say mm-hmm. something. And that's where that Levitical priesthood, uh, the order of the Levites come into play. Yeah. Because nobody is above the word of God. Yeah. Nobody should be. In- Nobody. You know, brother Kevin, you know what you said is very true, and I should have let you do the conclusion. I guess you're going to come back. But Moses, you said something that was very, very unique here, saying about what are people going to think about the Christian ministry when these things are exposed? I think one of the things that you have, um, we have to notice is like um, we cannot judge a philosophy by how it is being abused. You know. Like, for example, mm, that's right. you cannot discourage somebody from becoming a father, you know, since there is an errant father somewhere. You cannot cancel a lady from never becoming a mother because there is a, an absentee mother who is not watching her children or, you know, whatever like that, you know. So we cannot in that in the same spirit, in the same sense, then negate or discount the essence of the Christian faith, uh, just because there is an errant leader here or an errant leader there, you know? Mm-hmm. So we have to make that distinction. Uh, so it is true the ministry can be discredited, you know? 
It's true that uh, bad reputation can come into the ministry because of the actions of one individual, but it will be the head of folly for us now to say, okay, uh, then there's no credibility in Christianity because this leader or that leader is doing this. No, no, no. We cannot judge the ministry. I mean, we cannot judge a philosophy because it is being abused by a few or even many. And also, Brother Kevin said something about the restitution, like of trying to heal back or bring back somebody who has been wounded. It is one thing for us to admit <clears throat> and apologize to somebody who has been wounded. And there is also another case for us now to ask that individual person, instead of us talking down to them or down to her, it's also a good thing for us also to listen to what they would want us or the ministry to do as a collection, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so that uh, sometimes people have solutions. If you ask them, like, when they come and they confess or they say to you, you know, and you ask them, like, what do you want us to do? They will have a solution, you know, of what they think their problem or their challenge should be handled. And once you take care of that and maybe do something extra, you know, maybe you can be helped in the healing and the closure, you know, of um, of that episode or that situation, whatever it might be. It does affect evangelism. Of to course some extent. it does. Of course you it know, does. But mm-hmm. yes, I get the point that the philosophy does not, we should not negate it based on, on, on the erroneous, uh, you know, issues of the one presenting it. We have to, un- to, 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 to remember there's a distinction between, because the philosophy remains true, regardless mm-hmm. of what the purveyors are doing on the side, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and, that, and that's, that, that's, that's a good point. Any concluding thoughts, Mr. Kevin? That's what he had said at the beginning. Yeah. Kevin yeah. had said that about the person and the ministry, you know? Indeed. Mm-hmm. Amen. I, 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 I just want to say, you know, how we deal with the um, judgment of the world is by administering justice and mm-hmm. mercy. Mm-hmm. Because they're looking at us to see if we're true to what we preach and what we believe. Yeah. And when they don't see the church, when I say the church, the body of Christ, um, administering the justice of God's word in a situation, that makes us very much so. Yeah. Because we're saying one thing and we do another. And so it's important, I think, that, you know, no matter who the individual is and how much power we think they have or influence. If they are wrong and they have done something that is worthy of um, our of investigation um, in whatever fashion that would be, I think we should um, give that some consideration. Yes, indeed. Not just you know blow it off and say, "Oh, they can't do that." We're all men of like passion. Very much so. All men of like mm-hmm. passion. Any any of us can fall. Any of us. Any time. Any day. Or, the mistake Mm -hmm. that's the Mm -hmm. issue is when we continue in it very much so it's when we continue in sin shall we continue Mm -hmm. in sin that grace may abound god forbid Mm -hmm. no absolutely not god forbid absolutely so it's the continuation because these men who got into those situations it was a continuation of became a lifestyle Mm -hmm. it became a lifestyle but you better believe the holy spirit spoke all the time the Holy Spirit spoke mm-hmm. to them all the time and, and, and convicted them of it, but they continued to do it. And when we choose to violate the principles of God's word, and when we uh, fail to uh, not adhere our attention to the Holy Spirit, guess what's mm. next? Judgment. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And that's what that's what happens. And so you know, uh, it's tragic. Yeah, it's tragic. But we have to, I I, I was listening to the news last Mm -hmm. night and the world is saying 78%, they said it like this. They said 78% and they, they, I don't know why they said white evangelicals, Mm -hmm. but they did. They said 78% of white evangelicals, they cannot comprehend how they voted. They can't. That's what they can't. It's on pure research. Yes. what do you mean? They can't comprehend. They knew who they were voting for. They cannot reconcile, you know, 
they can't reconcile know, it in their okay. brain. How? Do you, mm-hmm. But you know, there are a lot of people who don't want to believe that. <laughs> Listen, they they are have they are having the same brother Kevin. You are saying that you know you are just about to open a can of worms here because they are saying the same things about what is happening in Georgia. You know, you, you know exactly you, right. you have a character there uh, who yeah. is who is yeah. doing A B C D. Just yeah? like that. Just you mm-hmm. see what makes that so mm-hmm. ugly? Yeah. You see what makes that and so ugly? And they are ugly? coming out. The, the, the white evangelicals yes. are coming out strongly. On Friday, you should see that. They came yes. out Friday and they yes. said, what one man does in private has got nothing to do with his what he's doing in public, you know? They are interested mm-hmm. in his public positions on certain issues, but they are not interested in what he's so doing. They are, so they are, they are, they are rubber stamping hypocrisy. Listen, I'll give you the name so that you can go check it out. His name is exactly. his name is Ralph Reed. He's I the, know Ralph Reed. Yeah, he, I knew you know the guy. I know Mr. Kevin knows the guy very well. He might have even had wow. seen him preach somewhere. So that's what he said on Friday of this week. Not last year. This it's week. It's unbelievable. Uh-huh. It's completely hmm? unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. So, so they are saying they can't even condemn uh, no. the act. That's right. You say they're saying as long as you vote according to what we want, in the you public, can do whatever. In, I mean, whatever you do in public, whatever you do in private has got no, no bearing on us. And it's you go keep continue bringing all these that expose. Let whoever comes in. So I guess the. Anyway, we will talk about the next episode because this can degenerate very quickly. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, thanks, friends. Uh, and uh, this has been a production of Unpack. God bless you all.